Hey, this is Glenn Mann. Welcome to another episode of New York Is This Way. For this episode, we're just going to do some, some New York talk. Talking about things that are happening here in New York City. So, I'm recording this. It's Halloween weekend, which is a big deal everywhere. But especially in New York, because the Village Halloween Parade. And people are partying, and people are dressing up, and acting outrageous. Even though, sometimes... Uh, the way people dress, you can't tell if it's Halloween or if it's just their regular, you know, everyday attire. And so, so there's a lot of things happening here in New York. And also, it's the anniversary of Superstorm Sandy. People commemorating that just crazy horrific storm which devastated many parts of the tri-state area. Long Island, Staten Island, Queens, Brooklyn, I mean, you name it. Uh, so many devastating things happen because of Superstorm Sandy. And it's crazy to think that 10 years later, people are still trying to recover. It's like some people still haven't been able to rebuild. So it's been kind of crazy to see that. And I remember uh, Superstorm Sandy at the time I was living in Harlem. I just remember that night when the, when the storm was first hitting. And I remember looking out the window and just seeing the way the trees were swaying and the way the rain was hitting. And I was like, oh, wow. Now I know how Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz felt. Because it, it just seemed like something out of a movie. But one memory, I, one, so the, one of the, I think my favorite memory at that moment was, I remember before the storm, the calm before the storm. You know how you're running around to get, you know, provisions and supplies and make sure you have everything in case, you know, the worst case scenario. I remember going to the store for like one last run for something very important, which was probably like ice cream. So I remember going to the store and there was these two guys and there was like near where I lived there was like this vestibule of like a basically a, a locked up apartment building. The apartment building wasn't was abandoned, it was locked up. So people would like kinda hang out there or, or some people probably would sleep there. So I remember walking by, uh, you know, as I was going to the store or coming back. And there was these two guys that were sitting there, which was, I thought, wow, like, it's because it, cause it had started to rain a little bit. It was drizzling. A lot of places were boarding up. So you can tell it was a storm coming, something big. So these two guys are just, you know, sitting there. One guy has a newspaper, and he says, man, this hurricane is going to be really bad. And the guy sitting next to him, like, what hurricane? What are you talking about? And the guy was like, there's a storm coming. And he's like, and he's like jabbing at the paper. There's a big storm coming. And he said, look, he's like pointing around because you can tell there's, you know, windows are being boarded up. Stores are closed early. But this guy, other guy had no clue what was going on. And I was like, I remember thinking like, okay, that's just crazy. But it kind of made me think of like before, you know, news broadcasts and, and weather satellite technology Sometimes when storms would hit, they would just hit. You really didn't know unless you were like, you know, some kind of sage or something, some kind of, you know, someone who was in tune with nature. But when this, when it started raining, you probably thought, oh, it's going to be a little rain. And next thing you know, it's like a, some devastating storm. But that's what I, one of the, the most memorable memories. Memorable memories? Is that the, whatever. 
that I have of that time period. I remember the day after, though, just walking around and seeing, like, some of the trees that were, the tree branches that were knocked down. And, like I said, well, this was Harlem. was wasn't really hit as hard. It wasn't really hit that hard, especially compared to other places. But still, it felt like the day after tomorrow. Like, it was like, whoa, all these trees are down. Places are still closed. And it just, it just felt battered. So that, that was, you know... Something not to forget. Some of the people commemorating. People still rebuilding. Some people have rebuilt. So, of course, in New York City, you can't really talk about New York, really, without talking about crime and public safety, which is an issue. And every day, you just hear some ridiculous crime, horrendous crime taking place. A lot, a lot of things are happening in the subway. And, you know, one story that kind of sort of left out was there was a altercation between two men and another guy pulled out like a samurai sword or the, the least part of the, the, the sheath that you keep the sword in and he hits he whacked the guy with it and I was thinking wow that feels it's unusual but not that unusual in New York right it feels like people carrying like you know weapons of the of a samurai or ninja you know seems pretty normal and in fact it makes me think of a couple of things there was this kid that I knew in high school. Uh, let's call him Randy, right, for, for legal reasons. And he was into martial arts. And he sometimes, he would carry around a sword with him. He would have a sword. Like, and his, you know, they had a long coat and he had a sword with him. Which I thought was weird because I'm like, first of all, we go to a school where we have metal detectors. So how are you getting this past, like, security guards? Like, I mean, he was into martial arts. So maybe he climbed the building to get into the school to avoid the security guards like like shinobi or ninja gaiden or whatever i don't know but and it made me think of him and i heard that story and it made me think of another kid from high school who who told a story one time that he was on the subway like early morning and he was sitting next to some guy and they had words like you know what whatever you too close to me you stepped on my sneakers something stupid so they had they got into a fight and they were like Throwing punches and, and like knocking each other down. And so he said the guy like knocked him down to the ground. And then he said the guy had like a long coat and the guy like goes from the back of his coat and pulls out this huge sword. So he said, so the train doors were open. So he said the only thing he could do, he just rolled out the subway car uh, away from, from, from the incident. Which and that story is always kind of stuck with me. But that's just you know, you know, just another day in New York, really, uh, if you think about it. But yeah, things can be really sort of scary these days, and and, and you have to be mindful and you have to be vigilant. And they're like adding more cops to patrol. I think the NTA has is hiring security guards. Uh, to like stop like fare evasion on like on the on the subways and then, and that can be polarizing because you know some people think it, you know it's a crime not worth even paying attention to some people think it's the worst crime in the world the truth is probably somewhere in the middle where you can't ignore certain things but there shouldn't be like some huge great punishment for it but it does get annoying like this be honest like because i know look i know the train and so and the buses are expensive and it can be a hardship for many people in new york There's a lot of working class a lot of poor people that just getting around can be very expensive 
But there are some people who can pay, but just don't want to pay. Because I've seen, like, I've seen this on the bus. Like, I ride the bus a lot. And I've seen people who just go through the back of the bus. They don't pay or they just walk past the bus driver. They don't pay. And, and they could if they wanted to. They, you know, because they've got, they may, maybe they have food or they went shopping. Maybe they're students who have bus passes. But it, it just becomes a thing where people just want to do what they want to do in New York. So just, you know, this is all these things going on. And so during the pandemic, one of the, one of the ways restaurants were able to, you know, stay open and, and sort of keep business going was the dining sheds, right? These dining, these outside places where people could sit and, and, and have dinner outside. Now, there's been, you know, criticisms of these dining sheds depending on what neighborhood you're in and look some of them are really ugly they look like you know they look like you know luxury hotels for rats basically like some of these things just are ugly and depending on the street they are on like there's some streets where there's a lot of space so it makes sense but there's some streets that are so narrow and now you're trying to walk the street past a shed and then there's somebody on a bike going past you now you got to go to the street and there's a taxi and there's just a lot of stuff going on in the streets and there are a lot of things happening in the dining, in these dining sheds. And a, a more recent story, this was all over social media and reported by the New York Post. An East Village outdoor dining shed served as an eye-popping sight when a couple got it on in the full view of pedestrians. That was from, that's from the New York Post, reporter Melissa Klein. Apparently, uh, Thursday night, there were two people in one of these dining sheds just going at it. Now, look, I know New York can be expensive. I know hotels and hotels, whatever, but come on, really? I mean, I, that may be... Those, some of those places are so, like, crazy looking that I wouldn't be surprised if the next pandemic is birthed from one of these, like, dining sheds. Now, like I said, not all of them are bad. Some of them are really well-made and really done, but some of them just look like, looks like a bunch of junk on the corner. Yeah, it needs to, you know, it maybe needs to be like a reality show, like best dining shed, have somebody, extreme dining shed makeover or something. But that's sort of, you know, something that people are talking about uh, in the city. And of course, you know, part of the, uh, one of the reasons given for, I think, some of the sort of states of disorder that you see in New York is that because of foot traffic, right? There's not enough foot traffic because so many people are working from home and some people want to stay working at home, which is understandable because why would you want to ride the subway every day, and especially if you like have like a 90-minute or two-hour commute, you know, each way. So, so there's this issue where the city needs more foot traffic, but people are more comfortable, like, working at home. And But there's like, I think the New York, New York state unemployment rate is higher than the rest of the nation. So this is what you should do. If you want to get more people on the subways and the buses and the trains and, and you want people on, in the city walking around, maybe pay them. Like, I don't know. Maybe some kind of pilot program. You get a few thousand people and we say, hey, for a couple of days a week, we want you just to go into the city. We want you to get on a train, get on a bus, go to so a couple of neighborhoods in Manhattan, walk around, you know, just be there. Have your presence felt. 
this, this sounds crazy, but I'm just kind of like thinking off the top of my head. Just, just because there's so many issues, you know, happening uh, in the city. And, you know, from, you know, high rents and, and, and everything else that is happening. And the one thing I have to say, maybe it's the past decade or more, but I hate the fact that, you know, everything in the city has to be trendy. It feels like everything is like, oh, this is the new trend. You got to go stand online for an hour to get this new thing or go to this new place. Like, I just kind of, you know, I think I felt like things used to be more organic. Something was cool, spread by word of mouth. But now, like, it's like social media. You have to go check this place out. So everyone goes there. And everyone, you know, and it kind of loses its sort of uh, luster. Like, I'm not even talking about, like, restaurants or even, like, any kind of store or, or special attraction. Take, for example, the area of Dumbo. Down under the Manhattan Bridge. Overpass, for those who don't know. And, of course, there's that iconic street where you, you get that beautiful image of the Manhattan Bridge, right? It's absolutely stunning. Like, every time I see it, I'm kind of like, wow, that is such an image. And everyone who visits New York goes there, all the especially influencers and social media people go there to, to take their pictures and do videos, and other people go there. So I don't blame them for wanting to go there and see it because it's a beautiful sight. But there's just so many people now who go see it that when you go there, it kind of doesn't feel... It's like, oh, okay, this feels kind of kind of icky. But it, and it's, it just feels like Times Square. And speaking of Times Square, there is words or stories that, in case you don't know, gambling, right, in New York State, New York City is expanding, right? And there's competition to get a license to operate a full-fledged casino in New York City within the five boroughs. We've had these things called ranch casinos where you can go to the racing track and play with the slot machines. But these will be just real casinos with everything. Blackjack, poker, escorts. Um, I mean, okay, maybe. I don't know about that part. Yeah, that'd be there too. But these casinos are going to have everything. So there's talk about putting one in Times Square. I think that would be a horrible, horrible idea. Times Square is is already a like mad circus, and I think adding a casino to that area. I'm not necessarily against having a casino in New York City. I just think. It, because you're dealing with New York and the dynamic is so different from anywhere else. If you're going to put a casino in the city, it has to be something really special. It has to be really expensive. I'm sorry. It has to be high-end. Uh, you know, if, if if working in broke people want to waste their money on scratch-off tickets, and, you know, that's that's one thing. But are we really going to have full-fledged casinos where people are just going to uh, subway ride away to, to this spending all their, like, life savings. Like, I, I think it could have a really detrimental impact if you just have a full, like, regular casino, like Atlantic City-type casino in Times Square. If you're telling me you're going to build some, like, high-end expensive casino in Hudson Yards where it's going to be mostly hedge fund guys and billionaires and, and Upper East Side socialites who are bored 
you, you, you tell me it's going to be something targeted towards the people who can afford to lose as much money as possible, then I'm, I'll be like, that's okay, that's all right. And it's something where it can be a special occasion. But if it's going to be something that's like Atlantic City type in Times Square, that feels like, that feels like bad news. Now, would I go check it out? Of course I would go check it out, you know? Who doesn't love the slots machines, right? Who doesn't love the slots? But still, come on. It just, it just, it just feels, it just feels like trouble that we don't need. Now I know, I know the tax revenue you probably need, and and I know, the, I know business people and the lawmakers are like thinking about that tax revenue, and I'm not saying the tax revenue wouldn't be needed. And as the city, and the city, is adapting to the new world that we're living in with work from home, and trying to find new ways to generate, you know. Economic activity and tax revenue. Yeah, I understand. But a, a casino in Times Square. Oh man, that's just oof. I don't know about that. That just doesn't make me feel good at all. As a as a New Yorker and as a human being, this feels really sort of out of sort. So, like I said, recording this is Halloween weekend. There's, there are things to be frightful of, real and imagined, uh, lots of parties, lots of things. Uh, people complain a lot in the past few years that Halloween has become too sexy, which, you know, is different. Like, when I was a kid growing up, and I was a young person, Halloween was just <clears throat> put on a silly costume. Now it's like, put on the sexiest thing you could think of. Now, I'm not going to knock that. Like, if you, if you feel like you have to be sexy on Halloween, then you need to be sexy on Halloween. You need to, you know, to do that. And of course, Halloween is such a big business. It's like billions of dollars that, that Americans and are spending on costumes and decorations and candy. And of course, the real ones know. November 1st, man, you go to CVS, Walgreens, the Wayne Reed, get that discount candy. That's when, that's, that's when the real Halloween begins, November 1st. So on that note, thank you for listening. I share some thoughts about things that are happening here in New York City. Uh, in the podcast note, you can see where if you would like to support me doing this podcast, you can do that. And you can email me. You can tell me to shut up. Whatever. Well, don't do that. That's not nice. Come on. I'm a New Yorker, but I still have a heart. Anyway, thank you for listening to New York Is This Way. Take care of yourself.